Welcome to today's episode. We're going to go into the second part of the series for the new Unschoolers Survival Guide. Today we're going to be covering de-schooling timelines, fears, and misconceptions. Uh, so if you haven't listened to the previous episode, which was the first episode of the new Unschoolers Survival Guide, it covers an introduction to de-schooling. And I suggest you go back and listen to it, but for those that have not and just want to know what it is, uh, what de-schooling is, de-schooling involves unlearning the beliefs, habits, and practices associated with formal education. It's a time to decompress and detach from regimented schedules, standardized testing, and curriculum-driven mythologies that characterized institutionalized education. In my words, it's learning how to fall back in love with learning. So it's this refractory period after you've done some form of traditional schooling, whether it's uh, schooling at the, you know, at the building, you know, with teachers and all that traditional schooling, or homeschooling where you're following a mandatory curriculum, uh, both of which are following a mandatory curriculum. This is a time to step away from that and adjust to falling back in love with learning. And one thing I like to say is the de-schooling process is moving from being motivated by fear to learn, like fear of bad grades, fear of being humiliated, fear of falling behind, fear of whatever, to more of a purpose-driven motivation or an intrinsic motivation that's deep within you. And that would be more like unschooling, where we're going to dive into our interests. And if we find an interest or we're good at something or we feel like we're making a difference, we can dive into that. And that comes from within. Moving on to the key components of de-schooling, we're going to discuss expectations around unschooling. So we need to adjust our expectations. This is the first component of de key component of de-schooling. So de-schooling is a time for parents and children to let go of the structures and expectations of traditional schooling. No preconceived notions of anything that you're going to cover. You're really going to emphasize the uniqueness of every child's learning journey. Now, in my personal example, I've been unschooling my children since since they were school age. And I really did a deep dive in education and tried to figure out the best approach to homeschool because we're going to be traveling and I needed a homeschool to be able to do that. Otherwise, I was going to throw them in public school. But upon uh, reading some great books and really diving into how the human brain learns, and how to set uh, children up for success in their learning adventure, I discovered unschooling and found that it was the exact thing I was trying to describe when focusing on the best parts of my education, the things where I actually took something from and still have it to this day. Now, it wasn't an easy process with my children because even though we didn't come from the classroom, I still felt like we were running behind. And this is about, again, adjusting expectations. My kids didn't want to write. They still don't want to write. And their handwriting isn't that great. But I believe that when the time comes and they see the need, that they will get better at it, or at least see at a bare minimum of, I don't know, uh, people will be able to read it. It might not be the best handwriting, but they'll at least be able to read it. And that's, that's really the goal. It doesn't have to be the best. If they want to work on it beyond that, they can. But it isn't on par with others, and that's just something I have to accept at this point because 
the expectations that I have need to be pushed to the back. They will learn when the time is right. We just point out the value to build interest and then give the tools to learn when they're ready. So that's one thing I've let go. However, they've excelled in other areas, so I have to remember that there, there are positives and there are negatives. And the one thing that really solidified unschooling for me was knowing that they're at least build on their strong points better than any other approach. And my job as a parent then is to expose them to ideas, experiences, and environments, and just to, to, to really help them find what they're good at and point out how they can use whatever is in front of them to get them to where they want to be. So if it's math, they need to learn math to be an engineer, right? And you point that out, that kind of stuff. But you have to adjust your expectations as a parent because if you find yourself expecting them to learn at the same rate as the curriculum, you're going to be disappointed, guaranteed, in some form. So that's that's really key. Next key component of de-schooling is exploration and discovery phase. So after we've kind of let go of these expectations and the kid kind of moves through the process of rejecting learning and then they start to find some curiosity, they'll start to look and explore their interests without formal instructions. And parents' job is to observe and understand how their children learn best and encourage this along the way. Now, in my household, we don't play video games all day. We have designated times for that they, that they can depend on. And we provide structured space to allow them to explore and discover. Bored kids start to get curious. So we have four days a week they can play from bath time on, video games unstopped. And then there's one day a week that they can play it all day or really do whatever they want, whether it's movies, video games, or whatever. But we do provide these structured spaces in order for them to explore and discover. We give them all the books they can take to bed. They can step as late as they want, wake up as early as they want, and this meets two purposes. One, it allows them to learn how much sleep they need when they go to bed, how uh, when they need to wake up. Uh, second, it allows them, it gives them time to be able to learn to focus on reading. And I think it's a great habit to either go to bed reading a book or wake up reading a book and just learning. I think that's a really cool thing. Next key component of de-schooling is building trust and relationships. We did touch on this last time. We want to strengthen the family bond by spending quality time together. And this is going to build trust. So trusting that children will learn naturally and develop, develop intrinsic skills. So that trust both goes, goes both way. They're going to trust you. You're backing off. You're not going to force them. They can dive into something. And then we trust that the learning process will happen because we believe in the philosophy of unschooling. Um, I know my personal example is I still get a little nervous when my kids don't learn something that's important. And instead of forcing, I just, again, continue to point out the benefits of learning something. And when they find that they really do want to do it, they all of a sudden are very, very motivated. And if they don't do it, I allow them to learn the natural consequences of not learning. A great example is swimming. My kids didn't want to learn how to swim, at least for me. <laughs> 
So we took them to a water park thinking that that might motivate them because they couldn't go on the big slides without learning how to swim. Kind of did. But it wasn't until we let them go with their cousins to a pool. We got a pool in Orlando last summer. And they saw their cousins of a similar age being able to swim all over and dive in. They could go in the pool. uh, All that stuff without someone being in there. And they weren't allowed in there because we couldn't trust them without an adult because they could, and we, we explained this to them, that they could drown. They suddenly wanted to know how to swim. And then they did that this summer. And we spent a lot of time on that. So we built that relationship. We built that trust together. And we were able to move forward. Another key principle of unschooling or de-schooling, rather, is integration of learning into daily life. Now, this is really, of course, for unschooling, but we're, we're, during the de-schooling process, we're developing it. Understanding that learning is not confined to textbooks or specific sub- subjects. We're always looking for those learning opportunities. Seeing the educational value in everyday activities and interactions, all that, the world is our oyster in that sense. And de-schooling is an adjustment for both the parents and the child to be able to see that. But questions are encouraged during this time. And then we can dive into whatever they're interested in, whether that's putting on a TV show, explaining it. You know, YouTube's a great resource in that way. Or really even putting them into a class where they can learn, like my child's interested in dance right now. So we put him in a dance class to kind of see what he takes from it. Another key component in the de-schooling process is evaluating and setting new goals. We want to reflect on what works and what doesn't during the de-schooling period. We really need to develop that vision of the future for education, whether it's unschooling, homeschooling, or another alternative approach. During the de-schooling process, we can learn quite a bit. And what we're going to focus on is where we want to go, and that's a vision. So that vision of future education is really the, uh, we're, we're developing the strategy and the approach we want to take to be able to get to the end result or the vision that we see. Now, me, I build I have principles of unschooling and I have goals for unschooling, which you can, you can listen to the, I I made a two part series on goals uh, early on. You can listen to my goals for unschooling and then there's the strategy behind it. Now I implement the strategy, I showed, talk about the strategy throughout all of these podcasts, but that's a, something that I was very intentional about. And that's when, during the de-schooling process, this is a very good time to do that. Now, as far as the timeline for this, one thing you can assume is for every year your child's been schooled, right? A forced curriculum, whether it's homeschooling or a traditional school, the, the rule of thumb is, one month of unschooling and it can be longer and it can be shorter okay so that's really the timeline that you're looking at so if you've been in school for five or if your child's been in school for five years you're looking at at least five months to adjust to this new process at least that's the way i look at it is at least five months because it could be longer it just depends on how how many of these how much of the beliefs of the school system are imprinted on your child like learning is bad i'm not good at math 
these types of things. Reading stinks. I don't want to read books. It takes a while for those ones to be let go. But the goal during this time is to really just disengage for a moment and find the love for learning. Now, as far as the fears during de-schooling, all right, here's, here's some of the common fears. Losing structure. And this is the fear that without the rigidity of the school schedule, the children will fall behind and become lazy. And what the truth is, is children are not lazy and they will be ahead in some topic, topics, but behind others, and that's okay. We accept this. We must believe that children have a natural curiosity and intrin intrinsically want to learn. If uh, not, don't in school because you'll be forcing a curriculum on them and that's going to defeat the purpose. And you're going to make them hate learning because you're going to really be angry and it's going to be stressful for you. Don't even do it. Just maybe adopt some principles of unschooling and homeschool. But if you can't accept that, I, I just wouldn't even go down that road. Schools use fear to motivate unschools use curiosity and we really have to lean into that. Another fear is inadequacy. Parents may fear that the lack, they lack the skills or knowledge to guide their children's education. Now, the truth is, you don't need to be subject matter expert at all. We have, oh gosh, it's 2023, or whenever you're listening to it, it's beyond that. <laughs> Online resources have never been better. We got Skillshare, Udemy, we have, uh, what are they called? The massive open online courses, the MOOCs or whatever they are, or just free online courses for anyone to enroll. Uh, you can even pay for them, and, and it's out there. It's so crazy. College classes are also offered for free in some states during the states during the teen years. I know where I'm at, Ohio offers it, uh, I'm told, as early as 14. I've never done it myself for free at community colleges, and uh, some don't even have minimum ages, and we might even be that in that. The state of Ohio might have that as well. But uh, I don't think you have to really worry about finding an expert to do it if you don't know enough. We also have the option of tutors, neighbors, friends, even the babysitter may be able to teach something that you don't have experience with. I know my nine-year-old son is learning Python. I reference this pretty much every episode, and I don't know Python at all. So I have a website teaching him, and he's learning. <laughs> so I wouldn't worry about that, guys. We don't need to be the expert. Social isolation. This is the probably most common question I get. So this is concerns about children missing out on social interaction with peers. The truth is schools are explicitly not designed for socialization. Let me say that again. Schools are explicitly not designed for socialization. They actually, think about your own experience if you went to school. If you socialize, it gets you in trouble. Socializing happens around school, meaning like between classes on the school bus, maybe studying, maybe when you're not even supposed to, like during class, but not actually part of school. The truth is that schools artificially create the social environment that doesn't really reflect real life society. Because when, when you think about it as an adult, in the real world, we have the freedom of association, which means we can choose who we want to be around and choose who we don't want to be around. If someone treats us poorly, we get out of there. But in school, you can't do that. You have to put up with a bully. We must physically interact with these people. But again, unschooling, we don't have to do that. We have freedom of association, and we get to interact with people of all ages like we do in the adult world. I have friends up into their 80s, all the way down into their low 20s. And unschoolers are very strong at building their relationships and they know how to socialize with everyone, not just their peers. On top of that, 
if you think about just associating or socializing with people of your own age, my belief is that this actually drags the maturity down of that group because they don't have role models that are older and more mature. So really you're just interacting with a whole bunch of kids that are really just kind of immature because there's not many that actually act mature. I know when my kids went to an after-school program for chess, they wanted to learn how to play chess and we wanted to get them around other kids who were doing it. They went there and they said, wow, no one listens to the teacher. Everyone's this, everyone's that. They were talking over them, doing this, they were rude. And just thinking, think about how much more mature my children are than those kids. Now, kids, kids will be kids. I'm not like criticizing these children, but the fact that it stood out to my kids was interesting at the very least. Now, another truth, so socialization is more difficult when you're an unschooler because you have to be intentional. You have to get kids involved in activities. Like I said, we did after pro school programs that they chose. Uh, sports are a great way to do it. And my understanding that anything that is free and offered by the public, your local public school, meaning there's like, there, it's offered for free to regular students at school and uh, there's no grade, then it's by law free to homeschooled kids as well. That's in Ohio. Now I haven't taken advantage of that yet, so I don't know much about it, but that's my understanding. So that that's a great opportunity right there. Look into your state or your uh, country's law, however it breaks down for you. Uh, church groups are a great way, play with neighbors, homeschooling groups. The internet connects a lot of people with common interests. Uh, might even be just, you have a common interest with somebody and they have kids, get them together. So that's a great way to socialize. I know my kids have been very socialized more recently, especially during the winter months in the Cleveland area. It's a, it's a little more difficult simply because people shut their doors. But uh, I do find a lot of opportunities out there. You just have to be intentional. I know one thing we're doing this fall is they're offering these classes for homeschoolers. So the parents get in there and teach class and uh, they do it to, you could just sign up like it's college, you know, where you just sign up for this class, that class, a la carte. And it's with a whole bunch of other kids of similar age range, but not the exact same age. So they get to interact with other adults, build their support system, you know, other good, uh, people to interact with and that's kind of cool and they also have dances and all this fun stuff so we're really excited about that so if you're in the Cleveland area it's called Archers through Grace Church and reach out to me if you have questions about that or to see how it's going um another fear people face while deschooling is and, and really unschooling in general but this is really a big one when you're going through the process of deschooling because you have all this you don't have the confidence yet. Judgment from others. People will think I'm doing a disservice to my children. They're going to judge you. And the truth is they will. People are judge. They judge. But who cares? We're the parents and we do what we think is best. Even if it's unpopular. Every visionary is first looked at as crazy. Everybody. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, that's impossible. Oh, that's not going to happen. Then until it comes true. Then <laughs> and then everyone's looking at them saying, what did they do differently? And that's kind of what you're going to go through, okay? So you're going to get great results on the other end. Also some subpar, subpar results in some things. But again, we adopt the philosophy that 
they're building on their strengths in an incredible way that's unmatched, but they're also going to be behind on some other things and they'll learn the lesson when it's time. So I wouldn't worry about that. Other people haven't adopted this philosophy. They've been schooled and taught that there's only one way to learn and that's from the top down in a school. And we don't believe that. Another fear is legal or regulatory concerns. And this is the, the fear in more words is I can get in trouble with the local homeschooling laws and regulations. And the truth is, yeah, you can. You can get in a lot of trouble. So know your country's laws, your state's laws for U.S. citizens. There's no federal laws around this, to my understanding, for the United States. But uh, one thing I want to point out, we got some listeners in Germany, in Bavaria, shout out to them. Uh, in Germany, I know it is illegal to homeschool your children. You have to put them in compulsory schooling or compulsory meaning uh, mandatory schooling. So my advice is to find a homeschooling advocate or better yet, uh, you know, have, find someone who knows the exact process, who's actually done it. That might be a... Uh, uh, another parent and they can point you in that direction or maybe it's uh, even a lawyer who uh, knows home, homeschooling law uh, I just did my own research online and followed the process and it was pretty simple in Ohio and it's even gotten more simple as of this year because we have less regulation around it they, they made it simpler um, so it, in our state it can be just as in Ohio it can be as simple moving forward as just notifying your superintendent at the local school district that you're going to be homeschooling. And of course, there's a timeline and there's a couple other hoops to jump through, but it's it's pretty much that simple. So um, on the other end, in some states, people have to, and this is going to sound absolutely nuts, but create their own school. So they actually have to go through the process of creating their own school so they can homeschool. And this is to avoid any kind of I don't know, any kind of regulatory punishment, you know, getting in trouble with the law. Next, we're moving on to misconceptions about de-schooling. There's three things I want to cover here. First is the belief that de-schooling means a complete lack of structure leading to wasted time. Now, the truth is de-schooling is a time to decompress and detach from the regimented schedules, standardized testing, and curriculum-driven mythologies that characterize institutionalized education. It's a time to fall back in love with learning. Just remember that. And again, it takes one month as a rule of thumb for every year of being schooled. All right, so it's going to be a long process, but just have faith in the process. Remember, we're going to be building geniuses here, and that's worth it. The second misconception is that is it quick transition. The assumption that de-schooling is a quick process when it often requires time for both parents and children to adjust. Again, this can take months. We already kind of said one month for every year, multiple times. It's it's just, it's a hard process and it can take a, a while. You will, you will get nervous. <laughs> you will get nervous, guys. But if you want curiosity to be the motivator to learn for your children, not fear of bad grades, then settle down, chill out. It's going to be okay. They will eventually seek learning. They're naturally curious. They ask questions all the time. <laughs> and keep in mind, every child's different. Another misconception is it's a one-size, de-schooling is a one-size-fits-all approach. This misconception is that de-schooling process will look the same for every single child, and that's not true. It will look different for every child. 
each child's unique. That's what we believe. And we want them to lean into their strengths and their weaknesses, build up, of course, but uh, really build their strengths of, and, and really make them even more unique. That's that's what we're leaning into when we're unschooling. And the deschooling process is just an adjustment to that. And since every child's unique, it's going to look different. Some kids now hate learning, and we're going to have to let them dissociate with school and being forced to do things. Uh and actually allow them to do actual learning, which happens when they're interested, which happens when they see a purpose. Now, the next segment of this is we're gonna cover some common hurdles. I have six of these. The first being letting go of control. This is struggling to relinquish, relinquish control and allow children to explore their interests because it's challenging for the parents who are used to traditional schooling methods. Especially, this is from my own experience, especially if you're a motivated individual. We need to let go of control. This is like free fall. You really have nowhere, no idea where it's going. And we need to remember that. Next common hurdle is finding balance. This is where we're navigating the fine line between complete freedom and providing guidance. Now, the Bible says we train and guide our children. However, it doesn't say force them to sit there for seven and a half hours a day without talking or moving and learn an arbitrary curriculum and do worksheets. Proverbs 22, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So I believe that that, it, that is, among, amongst other things, says we need to provide the structure and the direction. We can't force them. Just like we're given free will, I believe our children are given free will, and we want to act as that guide, right, and establish ourselves in their life as that guide, not the authoritarian figure, although there, we are an authority, right? But I pull that card very infrequently, and I really try not to do it when in their education. I don't want them to hate learning, but we are a guide, and we're going to point them and provide that structure. So I, I do think that there's a balance to it. I find ways to allow for freedom to make mistakes as well. I think this is uh, something that should be done as early as possible. However, I also believe it's in their best interest to do it in a safe environment. So we're going to do allow them to make mistakes, but in a safe environment as young as possible to learn those lessons. So that way the stakes are not as high. For example, I'm going to, I'm hoping that it, we're not there yet in my journey, but I'm hoping to be able to teach my children about finances and allow them to make mistakes early. Actually, we are there because we are making mistakes with our finances and they're learning lessons. They're now savers who also spend money on important things and just don't spend money on the rest. And I think that's a really cool lesson to learn. But we need to allow them to make those mistakes and have that balance of freedom but while also being safe enough to learn the lesson where it doesn't take them out. Another common hurdle is handling doubts from others. We already kind of handled this because we're going to face judgment, but this is defined as friends and family members who are unfamiliar with deschooling may question the decision leading to pressure or self-doubt from you. And here's the truth. You're going to have to get used to it. You're going to, no one really understands this. How many people do you meet that even know what unschooling is? During the deschooling process, you're going to be doubtful. You're not going to see results. Welcome to unschooling. You might not even know the results are happening. Uh, there's a community group, um, uh, Facebook community group I'm involved with 
called, what is it called? Christian Unschooling Families. And I'm pretty active on there as of recent. And someone I thought gave a great analogy. And that analogy was this, this parent who's now unschooling was talking with her sister. And her sister became a genetic, uh, a geneticist. And what she does is she likes, likes looking at genes and just going through that process of discovery and looking and finding, you know, looking through all the weeds to find the one thing that, that she's looking for. And what happened in her childhood that really solidified her being good at this and making it her passion, according to what I understand in the post, was that her sister also used to look for four-leaf clovers in the weeds. And she would always find them on a regular basis. And that loving to find the four-leaf clover, you know, finding a diamond in the rough, was what she needed to learn to make her a good geneticist. All right? So you're not necessarily going to see any of the results, but lessons are being learned. Just get over the people who are criticizing you. You're a visionary person. You're doing what's best for your kids. You've thought this out. It is intentional. And if it's not, you should think about it and make it intentional. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just going to falter because it's a, it's a difficult process of letting go. The next common hurdle is the fourth hurdle that I identified is building a support system. We really need a support system. So this is defined as finding a like-minded community or support network networks. Uh, and it, it, can, it can be challenging, leading to feelings of isolation. So I want to throw out an invite. Join me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, um, creating all those. Uh, it should be up by the time you hear this episode. Unschooled Unleashed. Uh, we need each other. Like I said, I got on Facebook and I started communicating with uh, those people in that Facebook group. And thank God I found community. And I even started creating this to find community because it's a scary process. But you need a support system. You need people who are doing the same thing. That way you don't feel like such an oddball. Uh, next hurdle is dealing with preconceived notions. So both parents and children may struggle with preconceived notions about what education should look like, hindering the ability to embrace a new learning philosophy. Everyone we know, with rare exception, was schooled. We will struggle. <laughs> the goal is that our children won't, children won't have to. They won't have... They're, they're not going to school, so they're not being... There's not the top-down instru instruction. They're not relying on other people to tell them what to do constantly. They are little entrepreneurs. They are little uh, visionaries. They are driven, self-driven people. They know where they want to go. Even if they work for someone else, they have a vision of the future and where they want to go. They know what they're good at. They know what they're bad at. And they know how to change on a dime. That's what unschoolers are. But don't have any preconceived notions about what's on the other end at the same time. Because <laughs> you might not get all that. Truth is, we don't know. But I think that you're, if that's within the realm of possibilities for your children, I think it will come out because we're allowing for the waters to settle and seeing what arises. Their own unique, their own unique person and just allowing them to discover themselves, I think is such a cool thing. The last hurdle that I identified is 
The emotional adjustment, and this is defined as children who have had a negative experience in traditional schooling may need time to heal and rebuild confidence in learning. And this is where the deschooling process really, it can really take a long time. At least this is, at least from my thought and my point of view. Again, I haven't deschooled my children, but I went through it myself. And I had a lot of negative experiences, a lot of positive experiences too. But Traditional schooling gave me some of the worst negative beliefs about myself. I'm not good at math. I'm not smart. I'm not smart. I'm not this. I'm not that. All these limiting beliefs. And what we need to do is rewrite the script because you're going to find something like if, if a child faces that, I'm not good at math or I'm not good at anything. And then they find something they're good at. You have to rewrite it. And we need to allow that time to adjust. We have to allow that time to have, help them find their curiosity, to allow them to find their curiosity and rebuild their confidence. Easier said than done, and watching it is very difficult, but you know, again, find that community. So what we need to do while de-schooling, at least my advice or what I would do if I were in your position, take time, relax, no pressure for once. You don't need to be taking them to school by a certain time. You don't need to do this, you don't need to do that. There's no pressure, you don't have to look at curriculum, you don't have to whatever, just take it as it comes. Go on a vacation, enjoy the family, build the relationships, undo the damage, undo it. Allow for space, allow for curiosity. Focus on what life is really like. When they get out there and they graduate high school, you know, if they went to traditional schooling, it's the first time they're really questioning themselves and what do I wanna do in the future? Allow them to do it now. Allow them to build whatever they want right now. And I think that's the coolest thing you can do. Allow them to experiment in life. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we really want? At least the people who really want to experience life, in my opinion. I think we go over and go back to the drawing board and blow everything up and then go forward. And just discover ourselves more and more and more. And I think it would be such a cool process to do that as a, as a, uh, as a kid. So I'm trying to give that to my kids, and hopefully you are too. And with that, stay curious, stay unschooled, and stay away from the algebra nightmares. Catch you in the next episode.